0: Finds the back of the net again, it's Ross Stewart with an equaliser this time. Oh, what a header that is. And it's Ross Draper who has Ross County in front. Back into Jolie Shaw. Yes, that's it. And Ross Stewart, Hulls County level.
1: Kelly delivers.
0: It's yes. on and it's in It's Olly Shaw again. Welcome to the latest episode of the official Ross County podcast, the only place that breaks down the on-the-field and the off-the-field here at the Global Energy Stadium. I'm your host, Dale Craig McDonald, and we have a great panel with us tonight, former Ross County striker Stephen Craig, RCFC TV's Jamie Lyle, and who will ever forget the 94th-minute equaliser in the J-Land, welcome home, Jamie Lindsay. Jamie Lindsay, welcome back. Thank you. A promotional lucky charm. You left County after taking this in the Championship to the Premiership and then you go to Rotherham and you go from League One to the Championship. What is it about you and promotions?
2: <laughs> uh, I don't actually know, but to be fair, the first season at uh, Ross County was always a delegation, so uh, it was obviously nice to get promotion straight back. And then obviously last season, I think we were second. Up until, obviously, the COVID stuff kind of kicked in. And then, luckily enough, we got promoted. So it's been good so far and kind of just enjoying the experience of playing the championship.
0: Well, that's the part I was going to come on to. You're now pitting yourself against, you know, what a lot of people call the sleeping giants of of English football. Nottingham Forest, as an example, Derby that have huge reputations in the game. And you've also got players in that league now, like Mm -hmm. Rooney, which as a boy is the you know, the kind of games that you want to be playing and the kind of players you want to be playing against?
2: It's crazy, right? When you think about it, I was uh like five years ago I was with Stephen at uh I went and wanted in Barton. Uh, so when you look at that five years and now I'm playing the championship it's that is kinda it's crazy but it's football. Uh if you work hard then obviously you need to be better luck to go your way and thankfully it's happened and now I could be playing against somebody like Wayne Rooney who i grew up kind of watching every every Saturday and match of the day. So it's, obviously it's, it's brilliant, but obviously at times you need to kind of pinch yourself and kind of realise what's happening.
0: And Jamie, you've also notched a couple of goals this season. I think they both came in the same game. Must be a huge boost for your confidence so early in the campaign.
2: Exactly. Uh, I think to start with this season, it was just, kind of for me, uh was kind of proving I can play at this level. Obviously I've never played at this level before. So obviously when you're a player and you start the season, you kind of watch to start off well. And uh, so for me to score the two, it was a derby as well, to be fair, which I knew it was a derby before the game, but I didn't know how big it was until after it. So it was massive after it, but to score two goals in kind of any game and uh, at this level then it was, it's obviously good, good for your confidence, and hopefully I can go for that. Well, Jamie,
0: listen, thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. Um, I know our fans will probably be chuffed that we managed to get you on, especially in the back of just playing last night. Coming on now to, to Jamie Lyle. Jamie, you've been a, a prominent figure front and centre of RCFC TV for us this campaign. I think a uh, few will forget your quote at the St. Marin game calling Michael Gardine an old warhorse. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll let that one lie. <laughs> Michael Gardine, who's certainly oh, not let me forget that one. <laughs> Listen, Jamie, I think you've got one of the best Twitter bios I've ever come across in my life. Terminally glaiked freelance sports commentator. Explain how you came to that bio. Uh, I think the glakiness you can probably tell by just looking
1: at me, even now on Zoom. Um, I'm certainly not made for a career on the small screen in terms of my, my appearance. And It actually stems from when I was at uni, I shared the flat with a, a good lad, Scott, who was from, he was from somewhere, at least very middle class in English, like Kent, or I don't know, Leamington Spa, one, one of these places that I couldn't point to on a map, but you a bit of money to be from there. And it's like, you know, Jim,
0: I've read some of your articles and actually you're, you know, you're surprisingly eloquent. 'Cause I, think I just thought somebody with my sort of accent must be must be thick as mince. and um, so that's that's where it comes from. Um, Jamie, as I said, you know, you've been front and centre of, of RCFC TV this season. How's it been for you? It's been awesome.
1: Um I hadn't had really any great involvement with, with Ross County
0: other than reporting on games. Um, I hadn't been to, to the stadium in
1: a professional capacity before and it's it's been phenomenal right right from the very start i don't think there's many club chairmen or club owners uh, in terms of roy mcgregor who would actually phone you up ask you to get involved in a project like this i mean i can't i can't no disrespect to the guy i can't see dermot desmond or dave king bringing you up to say hey come on Celtic rangers tv um this is what we want to do the project's been so invigorating so much fun to be a part of the the ethos of the club the community focus of the club, um, I think, has really shown through in what we're trying to do, uh, and the team that we've we've been working uh, as part of, what I've been working as part of, has been outstanding. It's been so professional, uh, so organised. Colleagues we've got and the likes of yourself as well, Dale, who do all the work behind the scenes in the week to make it all come together, uh, has been outstanding. And I think we've delivered. It's been a really professional, um, polished package that would rival anything else. out there in terms of Club TV channels. So, yeah, it's, it's been phenomenal to be a part of and to, to feel like you're contributing to that experience for fans who, who can't get along to the ground, can't watch matches in person. So, no, it's, it's, it's been tremendous and I'm very grateful to be a part of it.
0: Well, Jimmy, we're grateful to have you with us tonight. Thank you for, for giving up your time to come on to the show. Finally, to my bottom left, Mr. Stephen Craig. Stephen, I think we spoke last time was was the end of May when we were looking back at the this 2010 Scottish cap run and we were doing some features around that. But since then, how's things been with you?
3: Eh, uh, not bad. Um, obviously, it sort of came at the the front end of a pandemic and uh, things kind of got back to normal again. Grassroots football and academy football, uh, going into some normality, then obviously it be struck struck down again in the last. Last few days we're second lockdown so um it's and it's just been it's been disappointing because I think everybody's craving what it was like before. in um, regards to everything like fans back in the stadiums, um, no restrictions, want to go out for a, a bite to eat or a or a drink and I just think uh you know it's been well documented, but twenty twenty's been a bit of a write off. Um and I think everybody in the on the zoom tonight will agree that it's a year that they won't they won't be sad to see the back off.
0: Absolutely. Um, you, you, you've got Planet Soccer, obviously, which is an independent thing. You're also part of of the United's Academy as well. How have you found the kids have reacted to, to the whole thing? Because it's been a very tough process for them too.
3: We noticed that when we first started back, um, I think it was under about August, Um, obviously non-contact stuff, especially the younger, younger kids that were involved in the Planet Soccer pro- programme. A lot of them were struggling with anxiety and things like that. Um, Obviously, during lockdown, they hadn't been very active. So I think they came. Um, they were, fit, and I think their t-shirts and their shorts were a wee bit tighter than, than they used to be. Um, it was just, it was just great to get them back. And we're so fortunate as a business where we're, where we're based in West Lothian and uh, in Edinburgh that we've got the, the coaches that they have got working for us. Obviously, I've got Danny Lennon. We had Alan Mabry working for us as well before he went down to Oldham, um, and we've just. We've just recruited really well, and the kids and the parents have just bought into what we try and do. Um, and again, it's just been it's been disappointing. Like I, I just touched on before, we got going for two and a half, three months. Um, all our own sessions were were, uh, were were really stacking up, and it was a big big case on. It's good in the fitness, and it was it was it was our mental well being as well. We noticed kids were were uh, had a smile on their faces, and it was the end of summer. We managed to run a couple of. Uh, we're in a camp in September and October, um, and it's just really disappointing. Obviously, to, for West Lothian we went to Tier Four on Friday, um, and it's it's kind of the, the the first question was that my phone was was gone was gone going live. It was just the parents asking, what, "Are we still continuing?" So we've we'll just have to continue in grass parks, and uh, because obviously the facilities are shut, and I think it's so important to to just keep the kids going. Um, not so maybe their football skills, but just their health and wellbeing. Um, I know we touched touching it just, just off air that Dundee United was the exact same. The um, academy director Andy Gold did, work wonders really, um, tirelessly just to, to get structures in where squads weren't overlapping. Um, there was one way in and out of training and one way out, which is so hard when you've got teams from you've got 2012 teams all the way up to like the 2004s like 2004 and uh, done a, 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 a miraculous job and the game of what we're. We were restricted to who we could play. Then again, just got it back up and running, and then obviously this is this this is started again. And so it's um it's not great. Um, I know people keep saying that it's, they want everything wants to go back to normal, so people can have a normal Christmas. But I just think um I think enough's enough now. Um, and I think it's it's just like I say, it's just people want not that normality back, and I think a normality, and especially in Scottish society, is to get fans back in the stadiums.
0: Well, absolutely. Take us on to, to the first point I want to speak about tonight. We've, we've been very fortunate we've been a Tier 1 area that we've had 300 fans in for, for three games now. We're going to get that for the Rangers team coming up on, on the 6th of December. How important is it, Jamie Lindsay, that that the whole UK gets fans back in? It's massive. Uh, well, we've played
2: how many games this season? We've had obviously it. So even like Ross County having, three hundred fans or not, it's not a lot, but it's something. Do you know what I mean? Well, at least the players have still got a wee kind of buzz. But it's massive. It's it's not the same. It's it's you keep trying to tell yourself it's, it's obviously in the days a game of football. But that's the full thing about it. You go to stadiums and you play teams, and you go away. You go to the, the their stadiums, and the, the stadium the stadiums packed, and you you, do, you miss it. It's just yeah, It is not the same, uh, and even at home, it's not even that kind of advantage uh playing at home anymore because there's nobody there. So, uh they hang the quicker, it gets back to normal then. Obviously, it's best for everyone, but hopefully it's going to be pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing for me is, you know, we, we played two pre-season friendlies at, at Livingston and Celtic before the league campaign started. And we went to those stadiums and there's absolutely nobody there. You come into the league, you almost get used to it and I remember the first test game that we had here against Celtic, I was out doing pitch side doing press with with Stuart Kettlewell before the game and the players came out at the same time and you could hear the fans clapping Mm -hmm. and it it, it completely took you aback and everyone, we were mid-interview, everything just stopped and we turned and it was that sense of, you've gone. Six seven months without hearing even a clap, even a cheer, and just to hear that, and the atmospheres have been strange. Jamie, being at most of our games, how how have you found it without fans? I think broadly speaking,
1: being at football games or rugby games, as I've been very fortunate enough to have done in my work at a time when lots of folk obviously can't, thousands of folk can't, and I certainly don't take that lightly. But sport without fans is. It's crap. Let's, let's not be around the bushes. It's, it's rubbish. I'm sure. You know, I'll leave it to the guys I've actually played professional football to talk about how it feels on the pitch. But even just being in the ground as a as a reporter, first of all, you feel very lucky to be there. But that aside, it is rubbish. It's you know, sport is is theatre. It's there to be enjoyed. It's there to be to be revelled in um, by supporters. And without that uh, that backing, without the the sort of partisan atmosphere you get the banter the chants the shouts I and mean, I was listening to a, to a rugby podcast the other day and uh, Chris Ashton the former England player was saying I can't wait till fans are back I'll, just just that first abuse to get the first shout to get somebody calling me a you know a swear word I'll be like oh yes here we, we're back we're back in amongst it and even you know, not condoning abuse from fans of course but it, it is it's it's such a strange eerie atmosphere and I'm not sure you really get used to it certainly as a reporter coming into a ground that's empty there's a red zone you can't go in you're walking up and down the stands there's nobody there there's, the security presence is, is you know minimal the whole buzz around an event is so much more diminished by absence of those plans um, and I think it, it detracts hugely from sport as a spectacle and it, it I mean, I'd be interested to know Jamie Stevens' thoughts on this whether it's less enjoyable for the players, I'm sure it's strange, but is it is it less fun to actually play in an empty stadium than it is when you've got 10, 15, 20,000
2: fans there? Chatting and chatting? It, it must be weird. It's definitely strange. Uh, the first time we played, I think the first game was away from home, and it wasn't. Obviously, you noticed the difference because there's no fans there. But it wasn't until we actually played a home game, and because you used to play there, yeah, and it's normally I think I think it's twelve thousand. It holds normally get maybe eleven, twelve. In the first game we were there, there was obviously about twenty people there. And you, you, even the warm up. I can remember even the warm up. The boys looking at each other. I like, this is weird. Like it's just yeah. it's strange. And then as a player, you you need to you need to get on with it. Do you know what I mean there's nothing yeah. obviously needed. when the game starts, that you kinda forget about it. And, but again, it's not the same. Like as you said, like somebody shouting abuse so, or. A goal getting
1: in and celebrating, and it's, it's, it's definitely it's, it's weird. Do, do you find it harder to get up for a game beforehand? Obviously, once it starts, you're professional, you do your job, and you're focused on what's happening. But is it harder to sort of get as excited for a game, even when you're going through the warm up, as it would be if it
2: was that a <laughs> I, I know, I know what you mean, of course, like saying that. And I thought I would maybe be like that, but I think because of the position that I'm in this, well, especially this season, like first time in the championship, I kind of, no time, I kind of feel sorry for myself. Or, do you know what I mean? I'm kind of just relishing everything that, that's there, but uh, I'd imagine it would make obviously a massive difference when this, the fans are back and you've got that bit of buzz. And it's just ex- it's excitement, uh, walking yeah. out of the tunnel right at the start of the game and the stadium's packed and you think, here we go, this is going to be good. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah,
0: of course.
2: Uh, Stephen, you know, there's been a lot made of,
0: of the... Everyone's talking about the income problem that it creates, which it certainly does at lower lower league level. At premiership level, certainly for us, I think the view is that we need to get the season ticket holders in because they've got to put their hands in their pockets this year, knowing that the likelihood was that we weren't going to have fans at the start of the season. And it's it's trying to maintain their, their investment and their you know, the emotional investment as well in the club going now into next year so it's not necessarily for premiership clubs about trying to generate new income through ticket sales it's about trying to maintain and keep the investment that's come through season holders for this campaign
3: yeah it's it's like like you said the season tickets it's like like when you buy a season ticket it's business wise it's for the next season so it's like a a sort of knock-on effect and i've been kind of annoyed with the way that the english premiership and i know it's been well documented about now, the lower clubs down there need help because they've not got the financial backing. Um, but if you look at it, the clubs, they have their season ticket sales in before the season starts. That money's already there. So, for people, I know a lot of lower teams rely on people paying at the door and maybe hospitality, but I think the big guns, especially in Scotland, they've got their season tickets in. So, that, that base of money's there. So, for them to turn around and plead poverty, I think it's a bit unfair. Um, like you said, will it have a ripple effect on next year? Will, will they sell less less season tickets? I think looking at the Ross County point of view, they've seen how, how strong and how, how how much the fans love the club. So they have bought in bulk the regards to their season tickets. And I think next year, again, we're talking about the, the whole Normale again. Um, I can only see, see them really going up. Uh, but it's, it's the same old story in, in, in football. It's... it's the, the, the well-off clubs are never really the ones that are heavily punished. It's always the the, the low-league teams. Um, and it's just just getting back to your point there, I'm quite glad I'm not playing anymore because not playing in front of a, a, a crowd or someone would, especially especially like the last maybe three or four years of my career, would have been hard. I think it's a leveller. I think, obviously, you go to, if you go to Celtic Park, you go to Ibrox, you've not got that crowd behind you, you know the, the whole 12-man shout. Um, and I definitely think that I knew as a player I needed that pressure on me. Um, and, it, and it's a good point, what Jamie. But Jamie, obviously, he's down there. It's his first year in the championship, so everything's new to him. He's making an impression. But I think if Jamie was say five or six years older and he had yeah, 200 appearances behind him in the in the in the championship, then it, and it's definitely a leveler. I know speaking to some of my friends down south that they've found it really difficult, especially home games, to motivate themselves and and, and it's just it's reiterated in some of the, some of the results, and there's been a lot of goals conceded, there's been a lot of injuries as well, which I think mm-hmm. obviously boils down to the, the preparation was uh, couldn't have been ideal for teams. Yeah,
0: and you know we've all heard, um, you know we've spoken about it off air there about Boris Johnson's statement earlier this week about how he's looking at trying to get fans back into the stadia uh, in England. Do you think, Jamie Lyle, this puts the the pressure back on the other governments, the other devolved governments now to try and find a way off of creating a sustained return of supporters to matches and sports?
1: Well, thanks for that lovely easy question, Dale. Uh, yes, probably. Um, but it's, it's hard to be too critical of them, I would say, um, because they're facing something that is Unprecedented, it's killing a lot of people, and we're at a time of year where there are flus. There are, you know, leave it to the virologists to talk about the actual disease, but obviously, we're, we're in winter and it's the time of year where traditionally people get ill with the flu and such, uh, as things are. It, it does put a bit of pressure on them, I would think, because you've seen recently the statements released by various clubs up here saying, Well, hold on, if it's good enough for English fans, why is it not good enough for Scottish fans? I mean, probably it could be done safely. I think the, the arguments that have been made by clubs are that, well, we've had test events and the contact tracing hasn't identified anybody who's, I think I'm right in saying, who's actually caught the virus as a result of attending a football match uh, in Scotland. And I know some of the rugby clubs in England have been making that same argument. It, it does, but I think there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the vaccine. Um, being announced the success rate of the fans with that at various institutions. Um, and I think once we start going through that process and the most vulnerable members of society have been vaccinated, because I'm sure there are a lot of elderly fans, especially for a club like Ross County, who live rurally, who at the minute live in a tier one area, who haven't been able to go for a while, who've maybe been shielding for a long time, I might actually feel quite scared or nervous about coming back into a football stadium again. Um, so I think we need to make sure everybody's as protected as they can be before we start allowing uh, fans back in but if it's safe to do so then yeah of course it would, be, it would be amazing I think everybody wants to see
0: that That was a very politically correct answer <laughs> I've got uh, to be politically correct as switch up <laughs> Listen, the, we, we all hope that we're going to see fans back in sooner rather than later so we're, we're going to park that one there for just now guys we're going to look at at this weekend's last 16 tie in the Betfred Cup at Celtic Park. Whether there was a more difficult tie we could have got in the last 16, I don't think there was, especially with the venue as well. It's a one-off game, the last time these two sides met in this competition was the semi-final in season 2015-16 when Ross County would go on and, and take that trophy on my shoulder there back to the Global Energy Stadium. Jamie Lindsay, that's something that surely the players have to have to take as motivation is that they have reputation against Celtic in this competition in the past.
2: Of course. And as you said, it's, it's a cup game, isn't it? So no pressure on Ross County. Uh there's nothing to lose. Don't anybody will be kinda expecting Ross County to go to Celtic Park and win. So it's a good it's a great opportunity. And as Stephen said there as well, like with no fans in at Celtic Park then it doesn't mean obviously it's still tough but doesn't add that extra uh, hanging on, on top of it so obviously it's going to be a tough game but I think you need to go there and get a go and you've nothing to lose and you never know what uh can happen. I think Celtic have got Europa League as well uh, during the week thanks tomorrow so even that could be a week, you never know so isn't it going to to be confidence and kind of believe that uh you've got a chance and try and take the game to them see what happens
0: absolutely yeah stephen craig there's been a lot of talk and pressure on celtic this season which was always going to come given the the magnitude of the season that was ahead for them they're still one of the best sides in the country you know they're still the champions have still won the last 11 domestic silverware you know, they've got a great chance to make it 12 against Hearts in the, in the final. Um, you know, there's still going to be an incredibly difficult challenge regardless of any criticism that they're facing at this point in time.
3: Of sure, um, it's It's probably the best time to, to get them just now. Um, I think any dip in form is always going to be highlighted in obviously the, the last the last six weeks. And for Celtics and Neil standards hasn't been good enough. Um and I know the high not just Ross County but the Highland teams do have a do have that in their armour sort of to go down to Glasgow or go down to Central Belt and, and winning win in uh in latter stages of the cup competition. So I, if I was Stuart Kettwell or the background staff at Ross County, that's what Jamie said. The message would be to, to go down there and have no fear. Um and again it's I know for I've got a lot of friends who are uh, Rangers fans, and they they, they see it as if, if if Celtic don't win and Neil Lennon loses his job. Um, I don't know if it's that caught throat, but from the Ross County point of view, just just again, but but Jamie saying go down there have absolutely no fear whatsoever. It's 11 men versus uh, 11 men, and it's they've not got the crowd behind them, um, and there will be an extra pressure there from from Celtic's point of view where they have to perform. Um, they they need they need a performance and a result, whereas Ross County just need. When it comes ninety minutes. They need to be the one that have, that's, that's scored more goals than the Celtic.
0: Jamie Lyle, you were you were here at the match back in September, um, where Ross County lost out five nil. Stuart Kellow was talking about it in his press conference today. That you know, four set pieces. He probably mm. thought that it wasn't a fair reflection on the game. I know I certainly didn't. And, um, you know, I th- I think the chances that Ross created on the day again if we talk about trying to build confidence and trying to, to see, you know, there are going to be opportunities there because earlier in the season, Ross County were able to create the opportunities and exploit certain areas of the pitch. Oh,
1: absolutely. I think it's it's a free shot, isn't it? Nobody, nobody, but nobody is expecting Ross County to go down there and turn Celtic over. But as the guys were saying, Celtic have been on a really disappointing run from their perspective, from their high standards of win- many games over the last few years. Neil Lennon has come under a bit of pressure and I was really impressed with how County played in that game up here in, in Dingwall. I thought the, the football they played was really nice. I know Stuart wants to play that sort of attacking, um expansive football, good distribution, um, a lot of ball players in the midfield and I thought the chances they created were, were very good. There was one or two Ross Stewart hads that on another day you would, you would probably expect him to take or at least hit the target. And I thought 5-0 no, was was a bit of a harsh um, outcome. And I, I would just like to see at the weekend Ross Kent go down there and really have a go, really get after Celtic. Um, not because I think Celtic are vulnerable or weak, because I think that's probably the best chance you've got of beating Celtic. I don't I don't really see and maybe the guys will correct me on this, I don't really see the point in going down there and trying to sit in
2: nah,
1: against no point. I mean you, you you could you could just lose the game sitting in. I would I would rather see County go there, use the likes of Harry Payton, of Charlie Larkin, of Ross Stewart, Michael Gardine, really good attacking players that can, as we've seen all Celtic and other big teams in this league problems and really get after them. It's it's a shot to nothing. If you lose, well, you know, obviously you're disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. It's a, it's a ridiculously tough draw. But I would just like to see Ross Kennedy really get at them and try and rattle them. And if they get a lead, then see what happens. Who knows? The, the pressure is all on Celtic.
0: Guys, it's a, an interesting start that was thrown at me today. You know, one of the journalists was was talking to, to Stuart about how well we played down there in January and the game was 0-0 and Josh Mallon had a chance to play. Ed, Don Cowey, Lee Irwin also had a chance. These teams have met, Celtic and Ross County have met 29 times and Ross County are undefeated in 44% of the fixtures. 44% of the fixtures Ross County have not lost to Celtic. There's teams that would you know bite your hand off for that kind of percentage against Celtic just to remain undefeated regardless of draws. Wins. Um, you know, Jamie Lindsay how many factors go through a player's head in the lead up to this game, whether we're talking about the fact there's going to be an empty stadium, the fact the game you played in before. What goes through a player's head in that situation? For me,
2: I, I don't know. Really I think of it, to be fair. Like, I don't know, obviously, everybody's different, but I think if, I don't really think of it. If I've got a game Saturday, obviously I prepare all week starting Monday, but... I don't really like to think about the game too much because I think you can get caught up in it too much. at the end of the day, it's, as Stephen said, it's 11 men be 11 men, 11 men. Uh, no matter who they are. It's, it's a game of football. So I think you, you, you can, if you can think about it all, all day and all night and no sleep, or you can uh, kind of relax and be confident in your own ability, and obviously the, the management team put a game plan together, you stick to the game plan, you know, you know what you're going to get into the game to do. And if you're relaxed, and obviously you're determined, but you kind of go out on the Saturday and you, you give it your best and you try and stick to uh, what you've kind of worked on all week. Because like Ross County this week with the full week to kind of prepare uh, to play Celtic. So they've obviously got a game plan, they'll know what their jobs are. Uh, each player will know what they're meant to be doing, know their roles. So, I think if you think about it too much, you get caught up in, oh I'm playing Celtic, I'm playing Rangers, at the end of the day, it's it's a game of football. It's 11 players v 11 players and if you turn up on that day and do the best you possibly can do, then you're seeing yourself the best opportunity.
0: It's an exciting game that's in prospect on Sunday, there's no doubt about that. I genuinely have a strong gap feeling about something. I'm not going to say which way, but uh, I have a very strong gap feeling. Um, guys, we want to move on now to to look at parts of your And Jamie, I want, to, Jamie Lindsay, I want to kick this off for you. What's your fondest memory of being a Ross County player?
2: <sighs> probably that goal against the United. <laughs> at least I got uh, the intro right. <laughs> I'd probably say I can always remember the night. I think it was... I think we kind of knew if we didn't get beat, we would have basically won the league. And uh, the game was like, we didn't play great to be fair. Uh, and they also took the lead and we played Dundee United before that as well. And we kinda, It was all about the wasting time and it was just, it was a straight night, I think, all in. And then to score right to the last, basically, kick of the ball. And then I think what kind of knew, when we knew after the game, uh, seeing it on the United players, the reaction, even the manager, they were all on the floor, like you kind of knew after that that we were going to win the league. Uh, So I'd probably say that night was probably a great time at Ross County, two seasons, I loved it, but I'd say for one standout moment would have been uh, that night.
0: Who were the biggest dressing room characters that you got on with along that journey?
2: I was really close with Josh Millen, Don Kiwi. still speak every day, most days. Uh, Marcus Fraser and then obviously you've got uh, Midge was always up to stuff. Uh, Craig Curran was in my first year, he was was always mad. Unique. Uh, To be fair it was uh, Ross Draper, Bill and he was a great, I absolutely loved it, honestly I couldn't speak highly enough uh, my time at Ross County, uh, the management, uh, uh, Kets and Fergie, I loved it, I loved training, I loved staying there, my missus moved up, uh, Harris moved up, we, honestly we absolutely loved it, uh, it was probably just the, the the perfect club at the perfect time for me, like when I moved to uh, Celtic, when I was leaving Celtic it was probably the perfect club at the perfect time and I kind of loved every minute, and obviously finishing the the way I finished with winning the cup and then winning the league. Then it was a great year. And I believe you've got a, a soft spot for Jukesy as well.
0: Don't <laughs> oh, know Jukesy is our our sports scientist here, <laughs> who I think still hangs on every word you say, Jimmy.
2: Uh, to be fair, uh, we have a Facetime, we have a Facetime call uh, once a week, so oh, he always keeps me up to date on what's happening. And, uh, to be fair, it shows me his haircut every week. It's shocking he used to get that fixed. Awful, <laughs> awful, awful. <laughs> um, Stephen, Craig, same kind of
0: questions coming to you. What, what was the most poignant memory of your time here at Ross County?
3: Um, I know everybody will expect, will expect me to say, obviously, we're in the Scottish Cup semi-final, but we, we got beaten in the final, so it was... I don't know, it was just, it was a, kind of the best of two evils. Um, but I've got really fond memories, of my time at County, my four seasons up there. And I, it was just, I had, I had, my first year up there, we were probably the best squad in the league. And I think we finished seventh or eighth. And then the second, third and fourth year, we just had success. I know we won All-Challenge Cup and won the league, got the cup finals. and um, So it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, just having, like what Jamie said as well, I loved living up here. It was great. Um, had a really good change room, fully absolute madmen, mind you. Um, we just had a lot of big characters, and we just we just had a successful team. Um, Derek, Derek just got us basically unbeatable at times. Um, we had we had games where we would change formation twice, three times, and it would just be like a shout and we knew exactly, exactly where to go. Yeah, we were fit. We were really well drilled. Um, so it was just it was good uh, just a fun time and like I say, I still I still look out for the for the results every week.
0: And who were the dressing room characters that that you got on with, or who were the leaders in the dressing room during those times?
3: Um, ugh, obviously a big character well, well documented. We had obviously Jimmy Scott, who's absolutely he's off his head, but Midge, who's no change. I think he's getting muscle. No, than um, we just we we just had we just had a low day. Like a lot of strong characters, I was a strong character. You Paul Lawson, uh, obviously Sean Higgins, um, first up there, um, and then we we all used to socialise. I know Jamie will probably back me up on this that there's, uh, there's, there's no great nightlife in Inverness, so I think we we exercised every single every single establishment uh, when we were there. But even like when we used to socialise with, with with Inverness boys and stuff like that, so. I it was just loads of big characters. Stevie Watt was a big character and obviously the, the year we got to the cup final, um it just it's hard. We never had well I know Richie was, was captain, but we never really had somebody who who had to lead the team. There was there was four or five leaders in the team who obviously Barra was there as well. So um if you look at that team, that, that year, twenty ten team, a lot of the boys went on to have success when they left, which I think is always a sign of a good squad.
0: Definitely. Jamie Lyle, I want to find out from you, you know, you've been with us for a short time, you've been with us since the start of the season and in, involved in this exciting project that has been RCFC. You know, what's kind of been the highlight for you? Because we've done a lot in terms of the game coverage, but we've done a lot off the field coverage as so well. Mm.
1: I think sitting down with some of the players for some of the in-depth interviews that we've done for the channel and um, some of which will be coming out on the programmes in the up to Christmas, some of which have already been out. And really getting to know what makes a player tick. I think one of the, the telling things that both the boys have just spoken about there was the team spirit. And I think there's gonna be something about a bunch of guys, you know, a club like Ross County, you come up from the central belt or from England in some cases, and I'm not sure until you know you got there with your agent or whoever it works and you're you're going to sign for a club. I don't know if people certainly I didn't, I was guilty of this ignorance just as a as a fan or a journal. I didn't realise the depth of the facilities. That was the exact beautiful location you know you come up and everything's there for you um and that team spirit it seems to seems to be fostered in you're in a place that obviously it's not like you're not going out in ashton lane you're not going out in town edinburgh or glasgow every night so it's almost like uh it maybe forces a, a team closer together and um, maybe i'm talking out my backside here but just the way the boys are speaking about the, the team spirit there that seems to be a really key element of what makes Ross County. I think that's come across in what, or I hope it's come across in what we've been trying to do with the, the TV channel, but sitting down and speaking to someone like Michael Gardine, who's been there forever, I think he's three or four spells at the club, record attendance our record goal score. Some of his stories absolutely we couldn't broadcast uh, on the channel, but um, the, the love that he has for the club, for the people up here, for the community, uh, having not even come from Dingwall, the Highlands, originally, really shone through. Um, so I think moments like that are, are really special, and I think that's what the fans want to see as well. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I'm kind of going off on a, on a tangent, but I wonder if that, that team spirit that the guys are speaking about is in part because of where you are in the country, the, the social aspect, the, I guess the scenery all around you. What what makes that team spirit come out, do you think, Royce?
3: I think it helps that everybody stays in a close proximity to each other. Right. Um, I know uh, the one of the years we all bought a Venga bus, which is well documented as well, I think Seven Years chipped in for a, a seven-seater absolute bucket. Um. Just silly things like that. I think at one point, I think the only people that actually were staying in, staying outside Inverness at the time was, it was Kets and Gary Wood. I think they were staying in Dingwall, so um. If we ever had even got to go, I like think Jamie will say, like I think if as a team to be successful, I think you you do have to socialise together, not just when you when you're there training, going to, going to Starbucks or I don't know, going for going for something to eat. Um, I think it's massive, but the whole ma- major part is you're you're, you're very isolated, obviously, person hour mm-hmm. and forty five minutes away. And the whole fact that you you live in a close proximity to each other, it definitely helps. And most of the boys for the two thousand ten, they were, were all roughly the same age, yeah. maybe four or five years uh, with each other. And, and again, it's you need. I think success breeds success. I think if you're successful, it bring it brings a, uh, it brings a uh, teams and and boys together.
2: Jimmy, and Lindsay, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, well, that's it. All the boys used to say that. To be fair, when I first moved up, I knew Marcus Fraser from obviously Celtic, and uh, he always said, to be fair, like everybody's in the same situation, so. There was only, I don't think there was anybody actually from Inverness or uh, well, Big Drapes was staying up there, but there wasn't no, was no, everybody was kind of moved uh, up to the Highlands to play there, so instead of like two people going for a coffee, you were turning up for a coffee after training, there was 10, 12 <laughs> boys sitting, <laughs> so everybody was always, always together, every day you were training and then after training you were away, going for lunch, going for a coffee playing FIFA. We used to have a FIFA night. We used to me, Jason Nesmith, Marcus Fraser, uh, Sean Kelly every Tuesday. It was uh, when the Champions League was on. We used to (laughs) go to my flat after training, have a FIFA tournament. And then the loser used to buy the dominoes for the the (laughs) Champions League. (laughs) So uh, the loser was always uh, Jason Be FIFA. So it was always a free dominoes. It's my
0: my biggest bugbear is when I see all these players that still play PlayStation's Xboxes. Now I'm only 28 and I can't. <laughs> stand. So seeing um, boys coming around and now they've got these fancy cases that they can take them portably to and that to me is just mind blowing. <laughs> no, just no. Um, guys, listen, it's been great conversation, and I've covered a few topics. The last thing we've got to do is we're going to play our new feature called the list. Um, After last week we changed the format, so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys a topic, come to you one by one for an answer. The first person that can't give me a correct answer or can't give an answer full stop will drop out and we'll go to the final between whatever two survives. First topic tonight guys, I need names of MLS teams. So that can be USA teams in the Eastern or the Western Conference of the MLS. I will count you one by one for an answer, and we'll keep going in the loop until someone cannot answer or gives a wrong answer. Jamie Lindsay, going to come to you first. Orlando City. Yep. Stephen Craig.
3: Toronto FC.
0: Yes. Jim Kyle. Portland Timbers. Good call. Jamie Lindsay. LA Galaxy. Yep. Stephen Craig.
3: San Jose Earthquakes. Well done. Wow.
0: Inter Miami. Inter Miami, yes. (laughs) Jamie Lindsay.
2: New York City.
0: Yep. Stephen Craig.
3: New England Revolution. Yes, Jamie
1: Lyle, uh, Atlanta United. Have I made that one? Well or?
0: done, yeah. Dave Cormack's team, Jamie Lindsay. Oh, no, is that Red Bull Sunday? No, nah. New York Red Bulls. Oh, Red Bull. Oh, that was my next one, box. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Craig, uh,
3: oh, uh, Nashville SC. Only oh, know that could it's got initials it.
0: Well done, yeah. yeah, Jamie Lyle.
1: Oh, I'm struggling now. <laughs> I'm gone. Uh, let me think. Uh, there's one in Dallas, is there not? Is there Dallas?
0: Dallas Dashions, I don't know. Uh, no, I think I think might boys. Jamie Lindsay, you have uh, you have dropped out. It was FC Dallas. Ah. Other answers you could have given, Chicago Fire, FC Cincinnati, Colorado Rapids, Columbus, DC United, Houston Dynamo, uh, Los Angeles FC, Minnesota United, Montreal Impact, Philadelphia Union, Real Salt Lake, Sporting Kansas City, and Vancouver Whitecaps. Right, the final, Jamie Lindsay, Stephen Craig, the final off the list. This list is players that have scored Four or more English Premier League hat tricks. Players that have scored four or more Premier League hat tricks in England since 1992, since the Premier League was introduced. Jamie Lindsay, I'll start with you. Alan Shearer? Yes, he had 11.
3: Stephen Craig? I didn't want to play my big guns first. Uh, Andy Cole.
0: Andy Cole, yeah, he had five. Jamie Lindsay. Michael Owen. Yes, he had eight. Stephen Craig.
3: What years were we working in between here?
0: 92 until now. Sergio Aguero. 12, yep, he was top of the list. <laughs> Jamie Lindsay. Terry Henry. He was fourth on the list with eight. Stephen Craig. Kevin Shernam. Teddy Sheringham. Yes, he had four, so just made the cat. Jamie? Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Yes, seven hat-tricks for Wayne Rooney. Stephen Craig? Dwight York. Dwight York. Oh, he is the last one on the list. He has- wow. That is lucky. Jamie Lindsay. Uh, Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe, yep. Four to his name, Stephen Craig. Harry Kane. Harry Kane, yes. Eight Premier League hat-tricks for Harry Kane. Jamie Lindsay. Uh,
2: (laughs) Dennis Bertram.
0: (laughs) Stephen Craig, you've just won the list. <laughs> Other answers you could have had, guys: Robbie Fowler, had Nutella, oh, uh, Robbie Fowler, Luis Suarez, Dimitar Berbatov, Ruud no. van Nistelrooy, Robin van Persie, Ian Wright, the Yak, Yipubu oh. Kevin Campbell, Les Ferdinand, oh. Hasselbank, Matt Latissier, Raheem Sterling, Chris Sutton, Carlos Tevez, and Fernando Torres. Stephen Craig, congratulations, you have won this week's list Stephen, Jamie Lindsay, Jamie Lyle, thank you for taking the time to join me tonight, it's been an absolute pleasure we've had some great conversation on a range of topics everyone that is watching or listening thank you for joining us we will see you again soon, thank you He finds the back of the net again, it's Ross Stewart with an equaliser this time. oh what a header that is! And it's Ross Draper who has Ross County in front. Back into Holly Shaw. Yes, that's it. And
1: Ross Stewart holds County level. Kelly delivers. Oh, it's flicking yes. it's in. It's Holly Shaw again.